0: Well, none of you have roasts on tonight, so I can keep you as long as I want. (laughs) You know, it's so... uh, I had a portion of scripture I wanted to talk about tonight. And it's always, you know, I I begin, see, uh, well, this week or the week before, thinking about the things. I think during the week I put at least six messages in my pocket, you know. but. I begin uh, by taking a certain portion that I feel I want to talk about, and then I keep going back verses and back verses, and finally I think, now where am I going to begin? Because the more I go back, the more I see that I should bring into this whole thing. And the portion I want you to turn to with me tonight is over in Luke, Luke the... uh, twenty-fourth chapter, the last chapter of Luke. And this last chapter is a very wonderful chapter. It covers the uh, time when the two met the Lord on the road to Emmaus, and uh, then it covers the portion where the Lord met with his disciples and appeared to them suddenly uh, in Jerusalem and spoke to them. And then it deals with the Lord talking to them as uh, prepared for the ascension. Now, uh, this whole chapter is after his resurrection. And uh, it's a tremendously thrilling chapter. The portion I really, if I get to it, would like to talk about begins around the 44th verse. But I'd like to leave uh, just a few things before that, before we get to that 44th verse. The 44th verse to the old 49th verse is a tremendous area for those who desire to truly witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells us what God expects of us. But let me just uh, lay the groundwork behind here in the road to Emmaus, the two meet him on the road. And they're walking along, and in twenty four in the fifteenth verse, it's fourteenth, it says they talked together and of all these things which had happened in Jerusalem, how Christ had been crucified. And it came to pass that while they communed and reasoned, now they were very discouraged and it was based on human reason. All the disciples were very discouraged, for they thought that he that had come to establish the kingdom was dead. He'd been crucified, and even though he had discussed with them his decease in Jerusalem, his resurrection, he'd gone over the whole thing with them, yet they were very discouraged. And so, as they walked, they communed, Together, and they reasoned, they were trying to reason this whole thing out. You can picture that uh, Jewish minds are working. After all, the whole ministry during Christ's life is to the Jews. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. Then you will remember that it is opened to the gentiles when paul opens the word to cornelius and the gentiles are brought in to the whole plan of god peter even had great disputes with paul as to whether the gentiles should be allowed in to the family of god even in that day they had troubles and problems with segregation and integration spiritually and so, this here, as they went along, these discussed all that had happened in Jerusalem. And it says, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. This is Christ's work, that they shouldn't know him. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk, notice, and are sad? Well, we could stay right there, couldn't we, huh? Here they are, disciples of the Lord Jesus. And he's been crucified. Resurrection has happened. But they're sad. They, they, they don't believe this thing about the resurrection, as you'll see down a little further. And so as they walk along, they're sad. They're sad for a few reasons. They're sad, number one, because uh, they knew that uh, these had gone to the sepulcher and had found out that he had gone, and the women had claimed that they'd seen a vision of Men or angels, and that these men had witnessed to them that the Lord is not here; He's risen from the dead. But even though they heard these things, that that mind of theirs—and you know how we are—this is why do you think Paul in Corinth and all of these places has to talk about the resurrection? In Corinth, he has to say, "How come some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? If Christ be not risen, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins." And, And we could cry this out today. If anyone here tonight doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are yet in your sins. You're dead in trespasses and sins. For if Christ be not risen from the dead, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Christ had to be risen from the dead to be declared the Son of God. This is the only grounds of his sonship. The cross is not the grounds of his sonship. The cross is the grounds of our redemption, and the proof of our redemption is his resurrection. That his rising from the dead put the seal of God upon the blood of Christ as the cleansing power from sin. And so they were were sad. They were sad as Jews because they felt that he had come to establish the kingdom. And you'll remember that that was the whole thought for the disciples. Who'll sit in the first seat beside you when you come into your kingdom? Lord, when you're on your throne, who'll be first? Remember the mother of James and John, you know? Want to get the sons right beside Jesus when he's king? I always think, too, you know, of that other part where Jesus said, Now, if any man comes in the church with a gold ring and you put him up in the front place, They should not be. This isn't how you judge people by what they possess. It has nothing to do with spiritual life, but they thought that the kingdom would be established and, and they would be in the kingdom and beside Christ, Christ King, and they as the disciples, the one who ruled with him. And of course, there was discouragement. This is the reason for their sadness that he was crucified. They couldn't understand this. How could this one who came on that Palm Sunday, on the entry, the triumphal entry, and everybody shouting hosannas, and a week later, the same people are spitting on him and crucifying him. And he's crucified now. He's dead. And they said... Uh, he said unto them, What manner is this? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast thou not knowed the things which have come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? <laughs> I think the Lord is so wonderful. What things? You know, go ahead now, tell me all about it. What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And we trusted that it had been he who should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre. And we found it even so as the women had said, but uh, him we saw not. That's why they were sad. Unless you really see it, can't believe. You remember Thomas, same thing, right? What did the Lord have to say to Thomas? Thomas, touch me and see, for it is I. See the nail prints, thrust your hand into my side. Doubting Thomas, one of the disciples. And here they said, but him they saw not. Now listen to Jesus. Then said he unto them, O fools and slow of heart! The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Oh, fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Slow of heart to believe this. He says, ought not Christ to have suffered? You can imagine their amazement. They don't know yet. You know, they're listening. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses... And all the prophets, notice, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You know, I really, I think for the first time today, I noticed the word expounded. You know, I know it's there. This is exposition. He expounded the word to them. You know, you hear expositors of the Bible. And here is what Christ did for them. He expounded the Scriptures unto them. Now, from that point, the expounding of the Scriptures, certain things happen. I'm not going to cover it all for you except to say this. The two men on Emmaus walk along with him, and they break bread with him. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, that he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. But the amazing thing is, he goes along with them, and it says, and the Lord made as though he would go further than they lived. I think this is wonderful. You know, I was thinking when I read that, it's like you saying to somebody, drop in on me sometime. You know, do you really mean it? That's an easy way to brush it off, isn't it? Drop in on me, don't call me, I'll call you. The Lord, it says, you just read there, you can read it. It says, and he made as though he would go a little further. He wanted to see how much do they really want to talk with me, you know? No, I I don't think I have to stay here tonight. You know how another portion of Hebrews it says that... uh, When we entertain strangers, we may entertain an angel unawares, you know. And here, Jesus says, uh, he would go a little further. And they said, uh, no, no, we want you to stay with us. Notice it says, they constrained him. The 28th verse says, he made as though he would go a little further. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And I wrote down here in my Bible, the opened home to invite Jesus in. The opened home. Ask me, really meaning it. You know, you've read that tract where it says, my heart, Christ's home. It's a wonderful tract. I don't know whether we have any more copies of it, but I always remember reading it because it was so tremendous. My heart, Christ, home. And how we invite Christ into our heart. And when he comes into our hearts, Christ says to us, now, what is this room? And we say, well, Lord, this is the dining room. And Lord, when every time we sit down to have a bite to eat at our table here, we say, and to the unseen guest at our table, even Jesus Christ. And we ask you to bless our food. And the Lord says, and what is this room next door? Oh, that is our living room. That's where my husband and I come down in the morning and we read the scriptures. And then they take him from room to room. And finally he said, What is that closet there? Oh, Lord, you don't want to look in that closet. And I couldn't help but think it was probably like Fibber McGee's, you know. Everything would fall out. But everything that they didn't want the Lord to see was in that little closet and they invited him into the home but you know like we say we have skeletons in the closet and they didn't want the Lord to see what was in that one little closet isn't that the way we are many times you know we'll say now Lord possess me and use me but Lord there's one little area of my life that I am a little different than other people I'm sure Lord you'll understand Because you know human beings, and I'm human. Well, thank God you're human. I'm glad to hear that, folks, that everybody's human. Because if you're human, you all have the same temptations, the same burdens, and the same sin, but God doesn't allow you to hide a thing. He wants that one thing that maybe you want to hold back, and that door is the one he wants open more than anything else, that he might clean that place out. And that then he'll own the whole house what does he say that we are possessed by him you are not your own you've been bought with a price with the precious blood of christ you do not possess yourself you have been purchased lock stock and barrel your spirit has not been the only thing that's been purchased you've been purchased in soul and spirit and body you've been purchased completely god is going to transform your emotions God is going to transform your spiritual life and God is finally going to translate and transform your physical body. He possesses you completely. And so, beloved, when we invite Christ into our home, and this is what it's speaking about, the open home. Christ uh, said uh, uh, he would go on a little further, you know. It's like... uh, You know, you've seen that picture where Christ is knocking on the door, you know. There's no handle on the outside. You'll notice that in a picture. There's no doorknob because the latch is on the inside. It's up to the human heart, you see. You've seen it. It's a beautiful picture. It shows Christ and the lamp, and, and it shows him knocking on the door. But there's no knob for him to come in. The knob is on the inside of the door. So that you can open the door. If any man will open the door, I will come in with him and sup with him and abide with him forever. You see, it's on that side of the door, the opening of the door. And so there is the the opened home. And then notice it also says in that uh, the 31st verse, and their eyes were opened. And I put here, opened eyes. Their eyes were opened. Listen, you've been blind all your life until you come to Christ. In darkness, having eyes, they what? See not, right? Having ears, they hear not, right? You've been blind until you come to Christ. And then you receive your sight, spiritual sight. Their eyes were opened that they might know him. Have the eyes of your spirit been opened that you might know Christ? How wonderfully and beautifully he puts it here. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. That was all that was necessary and then he disappeared. How much more blessed, Jesus says, are they who shall not see me and yet believe on me. Speaks that to his disciples. He speaks it about Mary, his mother. And he speaks about those who will not see him like his disciples, like Mary, and yet will believe on him, believe on his name. And then notice after the opened eyes in the 32nd verse, he is the open scriptures. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? You see, open house. Open home, open eyes, Jesus allowing us to now see, then open scriptures. Glorious, how God so wonderfully does it, open scriptures. Now, come on down to verse 44, all right? Now, I'm down where I want to be, all right? Now, after this, when he goes down, he's met with the disciples, he's appeared to them, And uh, now we come down to verse 44. He has just said to them in the 41st verse, and while they yet believed not for joy, they couldn't realize that it was Christ, really Christ, the disciples. He appeared to them and they were terrified and affrighted, it says in the 37th verse. Imagine, he had told them about his resurrection and they supposed that they'd seen a spirit. They couldn't believe it. That's like I said this morning, it's so hard for people to believe, isn't it? To, to understand, but when you have the joy of God in your heart, you know you're going to have a body fashioned like under the body of Jesus Christ. Or I, I hope no one in this congregation ever doubts that you're going to have a body fashioned like under Jesus Christ. Otherwise, the resurrection of Jesus means absolutely nothing. And once you have this full comprehension of the joy of God in your heart and where you're going, that joy will be that which inspires you to be the kind of a Christian you should be, bearing a testimony for Jesus Christ. You've got a vision not on earth. You've got a vision that's yet to come in heaven. And you know why you're here. You know where you're going. And you know what God is going to give you from his own hand a body fashioned like unto the body of Jesus Christ. But here it says they couldn't believe that they thought it was His Spirit. How could it be? He had told them that He would be crucified, that He would arise the third day. He'd made it very, very clear to them. And yet they had forgotten the whole thing. Satan had deluded them. And here they said they thought it was His Spirit. And then He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts like that? Is that the kind of thoughts you get sometimes? He says, what are you troubled about? Why do thoughts arise in your heart like that? Why do you, have you really believed? That's what God's saying to everyone here tonight. Do you really believe? Do you really know me as your personal Savior? Is my Holy Spirit really dwelling in your breast? Then you know without one iota of doubt in your heart. He says, why are you letting yourself be troubled about this thing? Don't you understand? Why do those thoughts arise in your hearts? You know, if you have thoughts like this, come in. Would you read that verse over sometime? Why do you allow these things to plague you? Sometimes people get upset. Some things happen in their lives and they begin to wonder whether God loves them and whether anybody else loves them. Well, it doesn't really matter if anybody else loves you. I hope they do. But I hope above everything else that you know that God loves you. He's no, he doesn't play any favorites. He's no respecter of persons. He loves you. You may not have the sweetest disposition in the world, but God loves you. You may lack love from any other source in all the world, but God loves you and gave his son that he might redeem your soul. And here I think this is a very important thing. God says, now, don't you allow that kind of thought to come into your heart. Jesus is making it clear. Why do your hearts trouble you and why do you think thoughts like this? Get yourself straightened out. Paul would say, set your affections on things above where Christ dwells and whatsoever things are pure and lovely and of good report, Think on these things and stop this getting your thoughts on, first of all, about the resurrection, first of all, about whether I'm a spirit or not. And after all, over 80% of the church today, or more than 80%, I would think, preaches that the resurrection of Christ was spiritual and had nothing to do with his body. This is the Christian church so-called. But here he makes sure that they know it's no spirit. He turns to them, listen, behold my hands and my feet. Why are you letting this thought come into your heart? Some preachers ought to read this. ought to read that. Why are you allowing that to happen with you, preacher? Why are you thinking in your heart the spiritual resurrection? Listen. There'd be no proof if it was a spirit resurrection. You can't see a spirit. You would have no proof of the resurrection of the dead. You would have no proof of the vicarious atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He had to be touchable. You had to see him with your eyes. It had to be proven. You can say a spirit rose. That's what Mary Baker Eddy says. Mary Baker Eddy, Christian science, said it was a spiritual resurrection. No one ever saw Jesus after his death. Beloved, here it tells us, he says, look at my hands and look at my feet. It is I, myself. Boy, he just throws two pronouns together, you know. It is I, myself to impress it deeply upon the heart. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones like ye see me have. Boy, I'm glad I'm not gonna be a spirit. You know, once you've gotten this conception in your heart, I'm glad that all through eternity, if I die, I might be absent from the body and present with the Lord in spirit. But if that were my final final terminus, and there would never be any more than that just to be a spirit, Paul says, not that I would be unclothed. I don't want that. I want to be clothed upon with my body, which is from heaven. This is what we want. We're looking to a kingdom in which we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ of his heavenly kingdom, and he's going to change our vile body and fashion it like unto his glorious body. Listen, once you really believe that money becomes nothing, the world becomes nothing, and when we say all things become strangely dim, we mean it. But you've got to have it. You've got to have it in the heart, deep within the soul. And that's where your money becomes God's and your life becomes God's and everything you are and have become God's because you know what's coming. And as you look to the future, and you know that no matter what happens on earth with the communists all of the rest in Vietnam with as terrible and wicked as it is and Israel and everything else that finally when it's all over and God has rolled up the heavens and the earth like a scroll that will be with him for all eternity. Once you've got the concept and you believe it. Can I repeat that? And you believe it with all your heart then your whole vision of life and death and the future, what your children are and why you've got them and what you're to do, a mother's whole heart will be radically changed and she'll long for but one thing in her whole life, that my children may know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. That will become the core of a mother and a father's heart. That that will be the end. He says, touch me and see, a spirit has not flesh and bones like ye see me have. I look to the day someday when I'll actually put my arms around the Christ to redeem me and I will handle him and let him say to me, Martin, it is I, myself. You believe that's why you're here. Behold, Martin, I am he that was dead, and I'm alive forevermore. You believed that, didn't you, while you were on earth? Yes, Savior, I believed it with all my heart. Touch me and see. What a moment, huh? What a moment. For the redeemed of the Lord. But oh, the concept of it. How many hearts in the Christian community really have grasped the power. That's why Paul preaches continually that we might know Him and the power of His resurrection being made conformable to His death. Death to the world. Death to all that's around us. Enjoying the things that God has provided for us, but enjoying them in simplicity being joyous that God has given us a home and life and food and a bed to sleep in, but not longing for jewels and luxuries and all of the things that are pure nothingness, but saying to God, God, I'm yours. Lord, one day I'll be in your presence. One day I'll belong to you. I was looking at that big catch of jewelry they got from that... uh, that place, you know, they, some thieves stole it. it was seven million bucks or something like that? A lot of money anyway. See all that? They hold up a platinum thing, $10,000. Said in one paper, the woman didn't know she'd missed it. <laughs> but I want to tell you, once you're God's heavenly people, And that's what God says you are. God says if you're redeemed tonight, you are those who are God's heavenly people. You've been redeemed in the precious blood of Jesus. And God wants you to get a vision of things above where Christ dwells. That's what he says, where Christ dwells. Get the vision, he says. See. Get in your heart where you're going and remember, eyes have not seen nor ears heard the glories which God hath prepared for them that love Him, but God has revealed it unto us by His Spirit. How much has He revealed to you of the world to come? You should have plenty of revelation inside of the world to come. You won't be able to describe it or explain it to anybody else, but in your heart, you're going to have a tremendous concept. Did my, is my clock wrong? <clears throat> I can't believe it, you know. I just looked at it. I don't want to look again. But this tremendous concept, I'm going to talk to you about the other part another time, because that's really... I'll sort of hold you, you know what I mean? I'll hold you... I didn't read it to you anyway, see? beginning at that forty-fifth verse, but or the forty-fourth verse. But if we can just get this concept in our hearts of these disciples, listen, beloved, why do you think Jews, all Jews, redeemed unto Christ the apostles, why in God's most blessed name do you think they were willing to die violent deaths unless they had conceived of what the resurrection of Jesus Christ meant and had tasted of its power through the Holy Spirit. You see, this made the difference. They were men who were transformed in this world, but not of it. How do we know that? Jesus says, you are not of this world, because I have called you out of this world. You have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to wear clothing, you have to do this, and you have to have a job. But that is your avocation. Your vocation is to serve me because your vocation is Christian. And I want to tell you that's some vocation to fulfill. Christian. And so he He peers to them in such wonderful glory and says, look at me, my hands and my feet and touch me and handle me. I wish I could have been there. But may I say this? I believe a lot more than the apostles did who were sad. Do you understand that? They were sad until they touched him, until they handled him. They were sad, that's what it says. And they said, it's his spirit, it can't be. Notice the 41st verse, what it says. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they yet believed not, notice this, for joy. Boy, there's a, there's a paradoxical statement, isn't it? They believed not for joy. You know, it's like when someone comes to the door, If tonight I went home, and I just got in the house, and the bell rang, and I went to the door, and there stood Bob and Cheryl, they're in Holland, I'd look at them and the joy would well up in my heart, and I'd say, "It, it can't be, you're supposed to be over in Holland. The joy would be there, you see. They believed not for joy. They said, is it possible? Look at his hands. Look at his... It's him. He's risen from the dead. It's true. Those women, they weren't deceived. And you know how we felt about women in the temple. And we were sure these women would deceive. They weren't deceived. They went there. He is risen. It's him. And they gave him... Notice he says while they yet believed not for joy and they wondered about the whole thing, he did it so well. He said unto them, Have ye here any meat? (laughs) Boy, he brings it right down to human level so they'll understand right away. And they, right away, and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. Well, I don't know. I would, you know, broiled fish and a honeycomb. It's all right. All right, but I just thought, my Lord, they gave him broiled fish. He said, he got any meat? And all the disciples knew how to do, I guess, was fish. And they gave him a piece of fish broiled and a honeycomb. And I couldn't think but think, but that honeycomb that he came and said, taste and see the Lord is good. Honey from the rock, the Old Testament calls it. And he ate the honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. Well, I want to tell you, I'm not there when Christ did this, but I'm just as much there as they are. Because I believe as much as they believed handling him and seeing who it was and wondering and believing not for the joy that was in their heart. They said, I can't believe it. How could it be you? And he says, touch me, see, handle me. I tell you, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But have you really gotten the power of the resurrection into your soul? Have you? Are you a bubbly Christian? Hmm? Kind of bright and wide awake Saying the Lord is coming soon Oh God help me to bear a testimony for you Lord I see heaven's glory This old body of mine is getting Well not you young people But this old body of mine is getting a little older Begin to feel some pains Lord Maybe it won't be long Maybe you'll be coming tonight Lord I looked at Israel it looks bad but it's only saying one thing to me. Everybody in the world is saying, look at Israel, look at this, might be a great world war. And Lord, in the Christian heart, we're saying, Lord, it's saying you're coming soon, coming soon, coming soon. Is that how your heart is tonight? That's how your heart should be. If the power of the resurrection of Christ is in your soul, if ye be dead with him, Then are ye also what? Risen with him. We are on the resurrection side of the grave already. All that's necessary now is that moment when the Lord himself calls us up either by death or by life and the translation, the rapture of the church, to be with him. That's it. Glorified bodies at the rapture. Are dead in Christ and we given our bodies like his and meeting in the air looking at each other and rejoicing say look at me look at what God has given us for eternity and the universe out there is ours he's promised us everything we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ you know what I did last week I had about 15 minutes so I could spare to do something so I just read in the paper That they had just discovered a new quasar star. And it is 50 billion light years away. So I thought, I'm going to figure how much 50 billion light years away is in miles. Have you any conception? All I know is I got 27 zeros on the end of a figure, and there's no terminology in our language that gives a term for 27 figures. Nine gives you a billion, and 12 gives you a trillion. Beyond that, forget it. And that's where it is. Well, when I see Jesus, I got a lot to see. I haven't seen or ear heard. 50 billion light years to get there. <laughs> Talk about eternity. Eternity, eternity. It's ours in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy precious word. Bless it to our hearts. Lord, we're so thankful that we have handled Thee and we have seen that Thou art our Savior and our Lord. We remember that Thomas doubted and you had to show him. That was so you'd have no doubting Thomases. You've done everything you can to help men's hearts to see. We look at the men on the Emmaus Road how everything you do was so geared that you let them talk. And then you ask, why do you let those things come up in your heart? And why do you think such thoughts? It is I, myself, Touch me and see. I am he that was dead. I'm alive forevermore. Father, we're so thankful for this. Lord, we're looking forward to that day when Jesus comes. We pray tonight that no one who's coming to this place will ever leave without Christ. Life is a sad journey. That's what was happening on the Emmaus Road. They didn't understand. And they walked along. The scripture says they were sad. Jesus says to them, why are you so sad? We remember, Lord, you want us to be joyous. The joy of God is to be in our hearts. You told us that our joy is to be full. Well, how can it be full? Only as we really know Jesus, really live for Jesus, and look with expectancy to that kingdom, which will be his for all eternity, all the universe, all the galaxies, all the stars, everything place there. For without him was nothing made that was made, whether they be things in the heavens or things in the earth or things under the earth. All things were made by him and for him. And by him all things consist. Now, Father, apply thy word to our hearts and give us joy. In Christ's name, amen.